It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast truly one of the most unusual ever recorded. Contains dribble, slang, and frank discussion of subject matter which under no circumstances should be heard by small children, persons with a heart condition, or anyone who is upset easily. If you are such a person, or if you're the parent of a very small child in the room, we urge you to switch off your streaming device now. Just to our listeners, this episode is pretty graphic, and it does have some animal abuse and cruelty in it. If you can't handle that, you might want to come back to a different episode, or before we get to the animal cruelty, I'll state that it's coming up, and then I'll tell you to turn it off. Hey, Jen. Hey, Cam. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic on this very early Sunday morning. I know. I'm still in my jammies. Oh, I am too. Are you kidding me? Way too early. I know. Probably barely awake. I've been up for a little bit already. You know. Diet Coke, iced tea, the huge. I've been up since 7. So I was up at 12, and then I was up at 4.30, and then I was up Hmm. at 7. So yeah. Yeah. So anyway, what's going on? You got a case for us today? I do. This is, uh, it's something. Let's put it that way. You know, you and I often talk about how people, you know, are they born like this or do they, like what happens to them? And I think it's a little bit of nature, a little bit of nurture, right? It's a little bit of both. And um, Mm -hmm. we can kind of see it with this person. So you ready to go? Yep. Let's go. Sack it to me, mama. July 29, 1993, law enforcement authorities are alerted to a crime scene in which they find two bodies. And this is in a field near Teleco in Ellis County, Texas. We go into Texas. We're the going first to body, Texas. The first body that was discovered turned out to be a nude, decapitated girl whose hands Ew. were also missing. Ew. It looked, just from looking at her, that she'd also been shot as well as stabbed in her body with missing head and missing hands, had been badly mutilated. Well, I would think just that taking the head off and the hands would be mutilated, pretty badly mutilated, but yeah, yes. whatever. Ooh, oh, okay. there's more. There's more, Oh, Jen. yeah? 
while officers are out, you know, looking around the scene, trying to honestly find the rest of her missing parts, they discover yet another body, and it is the body of a young boy. And the boy, unlike her, had been shot, not mutilated. His body was intact. He had clothes on, again, unlike her, right? So they go and they kind of look around, and in his pants, they discover a wallet, and they pull it out and look at it. It has a library card in it, and Mm -hmm. it has a name, and the name on the library card was James Brian King. He went by Brian. So the police have to head over to the King household and deliver this awful news. I can't even imagine, okay? So they show the father. His name is also James King. He goes by James, and the little boy goes by Brian, okay? They go over, they show him the wallet, and he positively identifies the wallet as his son, Brian. And he also tells authorities that the female may be his stepdaughter, Christina. Mm. Could you imagine losing two children like this so violently, too? No. I mean, that would be horrible. Absolutely awful. One would kill me. Two definitely would have me in the ground. Yeah, I don't think I could go on. James King relates the details leading up to this crime to the officers. He states that on the night of July 26th, his 14-year-old son, Brian, decided he wanted to sleep outside. And, you know, we grew up in the country. You would, like, do that in a tent or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we even sleep under the stars. I think we did that at your house on your deck as we watch meteors and stuff. But then I think we got chicken and we went inside because we don't want to sleep outside because that's scary. It is very scary. So his father agreed to let him do it. It's summer and all. It's hot. James states that he woke up to a car honking outside in the front of his house. So he got up to look outside, knowing that his son was out there, and he sees this tan car pull up. It has its headlights off, and it parks in front of his house. He kind of goes to the front door. You know, he's looking out the window, so now he goes to the front door, and he opens the door just kind of see what's going on, and he sees his 14-year-old son, Brian, approach the car, and he's talking to the people in the car, and then he decides that Brian must know them, that they must be friends. He goes to the restroom, and he comes back to see, you know, that the car's gone and everything, but the car's gone and Brian's gone as well, okay? When James got up the next morning, because he went to bed thinking that Brian just went to go hang out with his friends. Now, at 14, personally, I that would not happen, but whatever. That's just me, you know? No, no blame right. in here. He goes back to bed, and he wakes up in the morning expecting to find Brian back in the house, as well as his 13-year-old stepdaughter, Christina. He goes through the house. He's looking for them. They're not there. Immediately, he kind of feels like something's wrong. He goes and wakes up his partner, Donna, and, you know, says, Brian and Christina are gone. What should we do? They agree that the kids probably were just hanging out with some friends, so they decided to wait a little bit. Well, then eventually neither child comes home, and they know that they have to call the police, and they do, and they file a missing persons report. It had been 10 days since that police report was filed, and so the officer showed up at that door that day. Mm. So those two teenagers were missing for 10 days. Could you imagine the fear? And no, I no, I can't. I don't want to. No. Autopsy results would come back and they would prove that the two victims were Brian and his 13 year old stepsister, Christina Benjamin. The report would also reveal just how heinous these murders were, especially on 13 year old Christina. Brian's cause of death was determined to be gunshot wounds to the head as two small caliber bullets were located and removed from Brian's brain. No other wounds were discovered on his body, and as I stated earlier, he was dressed. There was, however, a blonde hair located on, like, his pant leg area, 
Right. And it was proven not to be his sister, Christina. Christina had really blonde hair and, you know, kind of long. She's 13, right? Right. They also find one little fiber. It's so tiny, they almost miss it. It's like a little tiny tan fiber on one of his shoes. And just on Brian's shoes? It, yes. Right. On Brian's okay. shoes. Okay. And just looking at it, they kind of, it's uh, synthetic. So they kind of just sight unseen. I mean, not sight unseen because they can see it, but. Just without it being formally tested, they kind of guess that this is probably a carpet fiber, right? Mm -hmm. And it's tan in color. That's important in a minute. Jen, poor Christina suffered way, way worse. Mm -hmm. She was decapitated. and Both her hands had been removed, like I said earlier. She had a deep wound that went down the front of her abdomen and sort of similar to an autopsy incision. It was so deep that part of her insides were coming out, I guess. Right. Um, they pretty much field dressed her like a deer. Is that what you're trying to yes, say? Yes. Yeah. Right. She was mutilated and manipulated, I guess, would be a, something. Her nipples had, had been removed. Her genitals had been mutilated. I mean, just terrible, terrible stuff. They took the areolas off of her breasts? Yeah. They, yes. And then they um, cut the, up her. Yeah. Mm hmm. Oh, Jesus. She had, she had bullet wounds. But she also had various stabbing wounds. She had been, I guess, there were parts of her body that had looked, I mean, cut up, for lack of a better word, right? Just mm -hmm. uh, mutilated. I don't know what else to say. A rape test had been performed on her, and it came back negative, which surprised me. Since right. you, know, you would think, because it seems very sexual in nature. Brutal in nature. Insect activity on both Brian and Christina estimated that they had been killed between the late evening hours of July 26th and the early morning hours of July 27th, 1993. Police dig in, as they always do. They start to interview people, and it's not too long before a suspect comes into focus. A neighbor had told police officers that Brian and Christina had planned to go out with a boy named Jason. Now, they didn't have Jason's last name. This was just, hey... The kids, I'd overheard the kids talking about this boy named Jason, right? Right. But thankfully, that changes. An anonymous phone call comes into the station, and they give Jason a last name. Jason turns out to be 20-year-old Jason Massey. Jason Eric Massey was born in 1963 in Ellis County, Texas. Now, Massey, he had a pretty horrible upbringing. He was neglected. His mom, she used some drugs. She liked to drink a lot. They um, would move in really dilapidated, run-down, I guess, apartments, you know, a lot, get kicked out, not be able to pay the rent, move on, all that stuff. By his teens, he had dropped out of school already, and he was getting to have a pretty good little rap sheet as a juvenile delinquent, okay? He, and here's where we're going to get into a little bit of the animal abuse. I apologize, but it's very important because I, it's just important. Most of the items on his criminal record were for stalking and torturing animals, okay? Eventually, his mom was cleaning out his room, and she found some journals he had written. And in these journals, he described in length and very graphically his abuse to animals, oh. as, well as, his, as well as his fantasies about what he wanted to do to several girls. And these girls were named, like he had a list of names. The journals, he gave it a title. He called it The Slayer of Death. He was referring to himself as the Slayer of Death, okay? Oh, yeah. It's, so it's, not, it's so, not good when you give yourself your own nickname. Right? Ugh. In his journal, he also revealed he had this big desire to be a serial killer, okay? 
and he worshipped various serial killers, such as Charles Manson, Ted Bundy, you know, the mm-hmm. regulars. His mom decided he, he had to go to a psychiatrist, even she knew something was up. So she took him to a psychiatrist, and Jason Massey was described by this doctor to have very violent and sadistic fantasies. And he told the doctor, you think, verbally, that he expressed a desire to read about criminal and police procedures because he wanted to eliminate the possibility of getting caught for his future crimes. Mm-hmm. Okay, right now he's not killed anybody yet. He's just those poor animals, right? Right. But with a statement like that, come on now, right? If your child says that and the doctor comes what? and tells you that, I, I don't even know. Could you lock them up then? I mean, even though they haven't done any... I- crimes if you know that they will most likely do crimes well i would say intensive therapy and i'm talking a big intensive right or just put him commit him for a while put him in some kind of psychiatric hospital where he can kind of get deprogrammed or whatever they can do to stop the violence before he ends up killing somebody i don't i don't know i don't know how that works but i'd be my first thing to do we talked about your case, which you're going to do in a little bit, but this is sort of like, how many people does it take to see that there's an issue and then it still doesn't, nobody addresses the issue? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Jason's friends would tell police that he was fascinated with murder and torture, and he talked about it a lot, like a whole lot, so much so that they really didn't believe him. They just thought he was full of it. But little did they know, he was actually doing all this to animals already, right? He was prepping his game up for humans. Right. He told his friends that it was, and this is a quote, an adrenaline rush, a high, and a turn on, and that he had a love to mutilate. What do you do in your spare time? I mutilate. I craft. I scrapbook. I mutilate. Like, come on. I like to rearrange everything's organs. Yeah, that's horrible. What is wrong with people? Somebody needs a better hobby. I guess so. Obviously, I'm not really bright either. I guess you can't go back to knitting once you've mutilated. You're turned on by mutilation. Knitting isn't an option. Yeah. With the last name, police bring in Jason for some questioning, and they really hope that he can give them something since they don't have a lot of evidence. Christine and Brian's bodies were so badly decomposed, they could not get any DNA off of them. They did get the one long blonde hair, and they did get the fiber, which they think at this point is carpet, but that's it. There was nothing else to go on. They did have the caliber bullets, the ammunition that was pulled from Brian, but that's it. There was no nothing else around the scene to indicate like what had occurred. So they're really hoping at this point that Jason will cave and give him some information. So they question him for a little bit, and you know, he's not revealing anything. So they decide to try a much different tactic, and we know this tactic, and I, I can't imagine this. In front of Jason, they put crime scene photos of both Brian and Christina in front of him, right? And these were graphic to say, I mean, terrible, okay? Especially Christina, right? Mm -hmm. And the officer asked Jason, you know, was she as pretty the night that you did this to her as she is in these photos or something similar to that? And that worked. He like immediately started gagging and he just had a look on his face that let officers know that they, he did it. They knew right away he did it, right? He wasn't right. saying he did it, but they could tell. With the search warrant, officers collect samples of Jason's hair, and they also impound his tan Subaru car. See, I told you that tan part would be interesting later. Mm-hmm. 
The carpet fiber in his car was sent off for testing, as well as three spots on his back seat, on his seat, the cloth seats, I guess. They look like they, it could be blood, so they tested it, you know, on site, and it did. It tested positive for being blood. So they cut that out of the car seats, and they turned that into the lab as well. In Jason's trunk, they would find a leaf, a roll of tape, and a hammer, and all three of those items looked like it had spots resembling blood. Mm. They didn't locate a gun. They didn't locate a small caliber gun, which they were hoping, but they did find a receipt, and listed on the receipt was a purchase for twenty-two caliber bullets, a knife, and handcuffs. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, we live in a very hunting community, right? Like, they like to hunt. It's been deer season. You should have seen the list of teachers that were absent just to go deer hunting. It first said, the the secretary sent out the absent list and said, welcome to the first season or the first weekend of deer hunting, because it was literally like 25 teachers were gone. Right. But if somebody comes to me, say I'm working at Walmart or whatever, and is going to buy some guns, I mean some bullets, I would be like, oh, hunting, maybe, I guess. But if they're buying handcuffs? With? Mm, Right? Like, that's just a little weird. You would think. Uh, unless they're going to handcuff but the deer. Do they sell handcuffs at Walmart, though? I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Kid hand- I don't know if they do or not. I don't know. I don't think so. Right around this time, another anonymous phone call comes into police. And this person has a little, little bit of info that's actually very helpful. This man tells police that he had seen Jason Massey pull into a car wash right there in town and he had dumped a bunch of items in the trash bin and he started to leave he started to back out well the guy was sitting there spying on him just you know watching him and i guess it kind of freaked jason out so he went back in pulled back into the little car slot and he started washing his car really really good he vacuumed it out he was cleaning it out right the person making the phone call had realized that this man looked familiar. He might be linked to these murders that had happened, right? Because right. they'd run his face in the paper as a potential suspect. So police, woo, they, they amaze me sometimes, really. So they race to the car wash and they search the trash bin. Inside the trash bin, they locate, this is why he's dumb. They find a payroll receipt from his job at Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC. Mm. They also find a business card with his parole officer's name on it oh good and a red bandana with long blonde hair like stuck to it via a substance that looks like could be blood Hmm, i wonder who that could have been lab results come back and the semi-long because it was a mullet i'm gonna be honest it was a mullet which you know hey if you're wearing a mullet you you wear that sucker with pride so the hair that was found on brian would turn out to belong to Jason Massey. And that hair that was found in the trash bin was a match to Christina. Hmm, shocker. So now they can place, yeah, right. So now they can place Jason Massey with Brian and they can place Christina with Jason Massey in a roundabout way through the trash can. Right. The blood on the seat would be tested for DNA, but because the bodies were so badly decomposed, they had to do, it's similar to a paternity test, you know, like on Mari. Are right. you the father? Who's right. the father? So they did a reverse DNA where they tested the parents' DNA with that blood. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it proved that the blood found on the seats were a match to Brian and Christina's in his car mm-hmm. via the parents' DNA. With all this evidence, they get him. Jason Massey is arrested and he's charged with capital murder. Okay. So now we're going to go to the trial and we get to hear about how they think this all occurred, as well as some other 
enlightening stuff that as a parent goes back to what you said earlier. What can you do? Like, what would you do? Right. So during the trial, Jason's friend, Christopher Nowlin, testifies in the court trial that he had been in the car with Jason, oh, about two weeks prior to the murders. And they're driving around and he tells Massey, hey, let's go over to my friend's house. Her name's Christina. She's really cute. She's cool. You're going to like her. So they go over there and he testifies that the two of them, Jason and Christina, hit it off right away. Now, mind you, she's 13 and he's 20, but okay. Yeah, that's a whole different episode, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So Jason, Christine seem to be getting along really well, so much so that he kind of wants to see her again, right? He wants to kind of hang out or whatever. And Christina said that she would love to sneak out sometime with him. So Massey uh, (laughs) tells her that some random night, talk about your date pickup, some random night, he's going to drive over there to her house and uh, around midnight, and he's going to just honk his horn. He'll turn off the lights. And that uh, when he does that, she is supposed to go to the old FINA station on I-45 and wait for him. Yeah, you know. So the plan, I mean, this plan had been arranged. It's a plan. And like, just I think that it was apparent that he murder was already in his head. Like from that very moment, he met her two weeks prior to her being killed. Right. So after, now this is the friend part where whatever, Christopher testifies that after they left Christina's house that night, that very night, in very sexually explicit language, Jason Massey told him his friend, Christopher, that he wanted to attack Christina. He wanted to cut her up and kill her. And he was very descriptive about it. Now, call me crazy, but if you told me that, I'd be like, yeah, Jen, you uh, I'm, just take me home. I'm, I just got to make a quick little phone call, right? Just go ahead and take me home. In fact, don't even wait for me. Just drop me off, right? Uh, well, Christopher yeah. Nolan. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I know, right? Christopher Nolan up on the stand says that his friend... You know, he said this all the time, and so he didn't pay much attention to it because he talked about killing girls all the time. Yeah. Now, really? That that doesn't strike you as something important? Like, come on. Really? There's a problem there. Get, uh, Yeah. I don't even have anything to say. I mean, you just... Just wait. There's a problem. It gets worse. It always does. all kinds of cray. He's all kinds of cray. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So come to find out, officers believe it happened a little bit differently, but similar to what they had, you know, thought happened via Christopher's testimony. So it's believed that the night that both Christina and Brian disappeared, that they got into the car with Jason, that he did pull up that night. He was the one honking that the father had saw out through the door. Mm -hmm. Both Christina and Brian get into the car with him and he decides to take them for a little drive out in the country. Mm-hmm. Now, wait, did I Brian, miss why Brian went with them? No, he just did. That's what the dad saw Brian getting. He never saw Christina. He just saw Brian get in the car, too. Okay. Brian was sleeping outside, remember? Oh, that's so right. So when gotcha. okay. Jason pulled up and honked, I'm sure he heard him. 
He's a right. kid, right? And probably asked if he could go along. Right. Because he's so a kid. Brian gets in the I want to go exactly. too. Brian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Brian gets in the back seat. Christina's in the front. So they go out for a little drive in the country and they stop near this bridge, like overpass. Short, little country thing, like not even really a bridge. I'd say like a plant wood, you know, a wood thing that goes over a little creek. Crick. You know what I mean? Well, so it's not like a, a full bridge. fledged bridge. Right. Mm-hmm. It is, but I don't want you to think it's like, you know, a bridge over the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's just a little tiny thing. So when they go over the bridge, he stops, takes out a gun, he shoots Brian in the head in the car, mm-hmm. point blank rage, opens the door, tosses Brian out, who falls over the bridge to the ground, right? So his body is located a little bit underneath that bridge, that area. Mm-hmm. Christina, I'm sure, is scared. Like, out of her wits. She hops out of the car and she tries to make a run for it. As she's running, Jason shoots her in the back and she falls to the ground, but it's not a fatal shot. He then walks up on her and shoots her in the head. Then he stabs her. The mutilation occurred after she had passed away. Mm. And he did not rape her. He did not sexually assault her. But he just wanted to mutilate her, basically. I think he got off on that. That's what he liked. It wasn't the sex. It wasn't... Well, if he wanted to be it like was a the seri- mutilation, and that's what he liked. That was the part he liked. If he wanted to be a serial killer, I guess, or infamous, maybe the more uh-huh. disgusting the crime, the more famous you'll be. I guess the more the newspapers uh-huh. will give you those fun little monikers, and I don't know, it's disgusting. We're gonna get into some animal abuse, so I warn listeners here: it's terrible. Witnesses take the stand and they testify that Jason Massey has spoken many times about killing dogs, cats, and cows. And he had been keeping detailed journals of these activities, which is the journal that I referred to earlier, the Slayer of Death, the journal of Jason Massey, right? It seems that Slayer of Jason Death is Massey, so, isn't that an oxymoron? Is it? I right? Yeah. Yes, I get you. So I've, I saw two different things here, so I'm not really sure which is which. So I'm just going to tell you, whatever. So Massey had been in jail. He was serving some time. Now, I read something that uh, it was like a DUI, drug possession, and then I saw it was also cruelty to animals. So I'm not sure which it was. But all of that really doesn't matter because about what I'm going to tell you. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he had just gotten out of jail. I think it was 51 days prior to killing Christina and Brian. He had just been let out of jail. But one of the things that I ran across, and it's... It is something, okay? So uh, there's some people at McDonald's, right? They're McDonald's restaurant, the chain. Mm-hmm. And they notice this guy in the back parking lot, and he's, like, doing something weird. So they walk up to him, and here is this guy, and he is mutilating a cow, a calf. It's like a, a smaller cow in the parking lot, okay? So of these McDonald's? people are freaked out. They, yes, at McDonald's. So I said, this guy is crazy. So they call police. Well, by the time police arrive, I he, guess he sees wanted- them coming. I don't you even make any jokes. Believe I was going to say I about fresh beef. hamburger. Yeah, but still. Yep, right. I know. I know. So. And this is in Texas, police. too. So mm-hmm. it still would mm-hmm. be out of character for somebody in Texas mm-hmm. to be slaughtering a cow. Who mutilates. Uh, and he's a young kid. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? By the time they call police, he sees them coming, the police. He makes a run for it. Right. But he leaves his car there. You know, that tan Subaru Mm -hmm. car, the car that he owns. Mm -hmm. So he's easy to track down and they find him. The car would turn out to belong to Jason Massey. During the trial, 
obviously they call lots of witnesses to testify to his um, demeanor, I guess is the best way to say it. They call up his ninth grade teacher, and she testifies that Massey idolized Charles Manson, okay? Had a perverse love, like for him, following, you know? He's in ninth grade. That's a little odd. That's sort of a red flag, because in ninth grade, you're supposed to like, I don't know, Christina Aguilera or something, if you're yeah, but a ninth grader. Charles Manson also never really killed anybody that we know of. No, I know. So but he also liked Ted Bundy. Oh, he yeah. liked Ted Bundy. He liked other people, too. He had a, a little serial killer fascination. Yeah. But that's not all, Jim. They call up a former classmate of his. It's a girl. Mm-hmm. And she testifies to some very extremely disturbing behavior. She states that he had often made comments centered around killing and mutilating people. But that's not all. She also received some phone calls from him, and they were very threatening in nature. And then she received some letters from him. In the letters, he described in graphic detail how he would like to kill her. And she never went to the police or anything with that? It gets worse. He goes and he murders her dog, kills her dog, mutilates it, and smears the blood of the poor dog all over her car. They tied this back to her. He had written about this in the journal about this incident. So it's tied, like she got on the trial and it was confirmed because he had written about it when he did it in his journal, the Slayer of Death journal. But did she not show anybody that? I mean, did she not go to her parents? I don't know. Probably. I don't know. Wouldn't you? Who's to say? Yeah. Murdering my dog? Yes. We're going to have a huge problem. But even before that, if if somebody would have sent me a note saying how they wanted to kill me, I would be a little afraid. And especially if I was in high school, I would make sure my parents saw it. If you get a letter detailing how somebody wants to brutally murder you, I mean, come on. Yeah, you would think that. I don't know if that's a cry for help or if he was proud of himself for thinking that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not blaming her at all. Don't anybody think no. I'm blaming her. No, no, no. I'm just saying yeah. that. And she might have. She might have. I don't know. You know, there's only so much you could. Right. But then you know, find. the police could have taken him in custody and his dog may be still alive. But anyway, but I he, digress. He, he repeatedly got in trouble for animal abuse. I mean, he was known. He had that record going way back when he was like 14 and 15. Right. But he could He's have been. Now. He, he could have been arrested for a death threat, basically. He and uh-huh. things could have turned out differently, but that's something else. So we won't get into that because that's not what happened. The prosecution pulls up a doctor, put him on the sand, and he testifies that Jason is suffering from antisocial personality disorder. You think? And that he represented an immediate threat to others. And he had an extraordinarily high risk of killing again and again and again, if ever given the chance. And now, he was never remorseful, was he? Mm-mm. No. He liked it. He talked about it all the time. Well, I can see where this is going, especially if he's in Texas. So go on. And you would be correct. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sad whatsoever. Another thing brought up in trial, and this is horrible. It's all horrible, but what I, sometimes it's, one thing is more shocking than the other. Right. I don't know. Prosecutors bring up a traffic stop with Jason that occurred in the spring of 1993. Jason was pulled over. And in his car, they found some marijuana, right? Mm-hmm. That's the least of his worries, but okay. Thank you. A Persian cat with a rope around no, its neck, a three-pronged knife, mm-hmm. and a diary that listed names, again, girls' names, with check marks next to them. So we had like a little hit list of things, why they had check marks. I don't know. I don't want to know. 
It's also here that those journals that his mother had discovered that he called the Slayer's Book of Death, Mm -hmm. Slayer of Death, whatever, they brought those up and they decided to read those out loud for the jurors. In it, he wrote about guns and war and police investigations. He said that he really wanted a career as a serial killer and a mass murderer and that he wanted to, quote, grab society by the throat and shake them with terror until they're awake and realize what's up so they will remember who I am when and why I came their way, end quote. Hmm. And he he anticipated that he would in the future be a fantastic murder machine. That's awesome. I mean, honestly, it's a wonder that they caught him this early because I do believe that he would have kept going. Oh, they could have caught him so much earlier. No, I mean, or you no, don't, I, yes, I know I'm the whole thing could have been averted, nipped in the bud real early. But I guess, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry. That's aggravating. Police didn't know where Jason Massey got that gun, nor did they know where it was. But that came out in trial. It was that, you know, he borrowed his cousin's twenty two caliber gun, but he just kind of forgot to tell him. Oh, yeah. In other words, he stole it. He stole it. It was being kept at his grandma's house. Mm-hmm. And so he just he just helped himself to that. Well, why not? Jason Massey always claimed he didn't do it, pleaded not guilty. But Wait, what? The Slayer you know. of Death did not kill and wreak havoc all yeah. over the state of Texas or the, his well, part of just Texas? Just one town, but still. Yes, yeah. correct. Uh-huh. I believe October it. 6th, yeah, October 6th, 1994, a jury deliberates only about 15 minutes oh. and finds Massey guilty of the capital offense Good. of murder. And they decided his punishment should be death. On April 3rd, 2001, Massey would go and be executed. Mm. But I'm not done. I'm not sad. We got his final words here. Final words. At his execution, Massey confessed to the crime and he apologized to the victim's family. And these are his very last words. And this is verbatim. You ready? Yep. Yes. First of all, I would like to speak to the victim's family. First of all, I'd like to say that I do not know any of y'all, and that's unfortunate because I would like to apologize to each and every one of you individually. I can't imagine what I've taken from y'all, but I do want to apologize, and I want to let you know that I did do it. You guys know that I am guilty, and I am sorry for what I've done. I apologize, and I know that you may not be able to forgive me, and I know that may not be able to be forgiven in time or in this life or in this world, but I hope sometime in the future you will be able to find it in you to forgive me. And I want you to know that Christina, she did not suffer as much as you think she did. I promise you that. I give you my word. I know you guys want to know where the rest of her remains are. I put her remains in the Trinity River. I have said that since I have come to death row. I want to apologize to you again. I hope sometime in the future you can forgive me. Okay, now I want to speak to my mom and my family. Brother Anderson, Kathy, I want you to know that I appreciate all these years that you have been coming to see me on death row. And Daddy, I love you. I appreciate y'all being here and being strong for me. And Mama, you know I love you, and I appreciate all of these visits, the letters and everything y'all have done for me. Y'all have been wonderful. You too, Granny. I love you all, and you know, I want to apologize to you all, too, for what I've done, for all this pain I've caused, but all of this pain has brought us closer together, and all of the suffering that we have been through has brought us all closer to the Lord, and in the end, that is what counts, isn't it? That's what counts in the end, where you stand with Almighty God. I know that God has used this to change my life, 
and it's all been worth it because of that. If I lie here today, where I lie, I can say in the face of death, Jesus is Lord. He has changed my life, and I know that when I leave this body, I'm going to home to be with the Lord forever. That is all I want to say. I love you all, and I won't say goodbye. I will say I'll see you again. I love you, Daddy. Tonight I dance on the streets of gold. Let those without sin cast the first stone. After his last statement was read, the lethal injection concoction began. Massey was pronounced dead at 6.20 p.m. Huh. That's it. <laughs> what? Um. What? What is wrong with people? And he went on, and I didn't put this in there. He, like, listed how many animals he's murdered. It's, like, crazy. Like, 34 dogs, 41 cats, and 7 cows. He kept all their heads. He kept their bones. That was later found, too. Yeah. By um, somebody that was going. He kept them in a metal cooler. And a hunter had stumbled upon a cooler and opened it. And inside was all the jaw bones and heads of these animals. Because he liked to cut off the animals' heads and keep them. So he'd keep them and put them in that cooler. As trophies. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about this religion thing for a minute. Well, you all find God because, you know, because you have to. Because, you know. You're born in prison or you're bored or you think. You're bored, but I think you also. You'll be you're trying to get deemed. Yes. I would think that there'd be degrees of forgiveness and sins. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know, Jen. I don't know. And I fear that when we find out, it's going to be too late to, you know, go back and redo, get a redo. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my story. That's, wow. Uh, the story of Jason Massey. Well, I don't even want to say Jason Massey. Poor Christina Benjamin. And exactly. And Brian. Cute little Brian King. Horrible, horrible human being. And I am not sad at all that he's gone. I feel badly yeah, so this, for this, the survivors, for his family, but there was no clue of why he would have done that, correct? I mean, there was no kind of well, violence his, his, or, I mean, you can't blame video well, games, mom, correct? No, no, His mom, remember, she had a little drug problem and she neglected him and, I mean, well, abused him verbally at least. But other people grow up with that too and they, they don't go out and murder two little teenagers. You know, and he it was more and than countless that. animals. He, yeah, he would have just done this again and again and again. He said by his own mouth, he said it. So they did what they had to do, and that's all they could do. You know, right? Wow, insane, yeah. insane. It's pretty scary that all these people are out there. And I mean, I've always known how scary people are, but doing this podcast really has made me aware of just how horrible. Yeah, and just vile some of these people can become. All right, Jen. So, uh, yeah, people are terrible. and People are um, horrible. Sometimes it's better just to be ignorant of that kind of knowledge, such as the stories in here. I don't, I would have a really hard time ever forgiving him. You know, I'd never just, forgive I, him, ever. And he had something off in his brain that allowed this to be his driving force, I guess. And Lord have mercy so. if your child or if you ever get Anyone that sends you a note telling how they want anybody wants to kill you or anything like that, go to the police. I don't care if you feel stupid or it might really be something, you know, and just mm -hmm. you can't take it for granted that it's just some stupid threat. Do it. Or his friend saying he talked about killing girls all the time. Yeah. What? That's not normal. You know that, right, buddy? You know, that's not normal. Yeah. Like people don't do that. I mean, you could say, oh, my God, I could have killed her or such, but you don't know. That's just. Yeah, that's different, though. That's more like, you know. Right. That's just slang. Right. And All right, Jen. 
So we're going to wrap this up. Okay, so remember, lock your doors. And keep passing by those open windows. Uh, Bye-bye. Love ya. Today's episode was researched and written by me, Cam. For more information about this episode, as well as all the sources I used, please check out our show notes or the podcast website at ourtruecrimepodcast.com. Our True Crime Podcast is developed and created by hosts Jen and Cam. Original music and audio mix of all Our True Crime Podcast episodes is courtesy of Nico Bertese from We Talk of Dreams. Listener discretion is provided by Edward October from October Pod VHS. Our True Crime Podcast is executive produced by Nico Vertese and Dick Bain. Make sure to like and subscribe to Our True Crime Podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. We can be reached on Instagram and Facebook at Our True Crime Podcast or on Twitter at Our True Crime Pod. You can email us at Our True Crime Podcast at gmail.com. If you really like the show, make sure to check out our Patreon at Our True Crime Podcast. Our True Crime Podcast is an OTC production. Long time ago, yeah, I was trying to reach my folks down in Florida. Mm-hmm. Days. Could not get them for days. Do you have the wrong number? No. Oh. Their fax machine was on and they wouldn't turn it off. It would never go off. So I was starting to get really, really worried. The only way I was able to get them was send faxes <laughs> and not just one fax. I had to bombard them. I sent them. Did they them, not know it was on? Nope. They didn't know. They They're did. both hard of hearing. But n- n- I sent them. They didn't think it was weird that nobody was calling them for days? No. That's funny. I sent them. They had cell phones. I sent them a 25-page fax before it even <laughs> they saw it. That's funny. Mm-hmm. All right. So oh, sorry. Judy. Judy, Judy, Judy. And each one of them said, turn off your fax machine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Well, here's one for you for my mom. <laughs> so my mom, <laughs> she called me this weekend. She says, I can't make this up. There's a cricket in my basement. It's in the wall or something, and I cannot get rid of it. It's driving me crazy. And yeah. I was like, well, can I go down there and look around? But sooner or later, it will either get out or die. So yesterday, Tess and I go over there, and I hear it. And then my mom goes, see, did you hear that damn crooked? Did you hear it? I go, mom, that's your fire alarm. <laughs> and then Tess starts going, grandma, you're kidding, right? That's a fire alarm. Can it? And I was like, didn't it ever occur to you that it only chirped like at a certain time and consistently that, that time? Do you in, know what I mean? In two minute intervals? Yeah. yeah. God, love it. Oh, I know oh. my mom's like, there's something I'm going to have to go get hearing aids. And I'm like, why? She goes, I can't hear anybody on my phone, Jenny. Was it uh, on mute? Billy's done that one, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. For three weeks. Hello? Hello? I have to call you back, Jenny. That's what I get. Sorry. <laughs> didn't mean to bust out your ears, but that's what I get. She'd scream. Oh, I love them. Oh, it'll be us someday. It will be. Nico's probably, probably going, oh, my God. Later. You guys are right down that road. Mm-hmm. You guys are heading right that, down the road. Be, you I'll, know, I'll you be guys like, can... Jenny, there is a... A, a cricket in my wall and you're gonna come over there and yell at me and then yeah no but nico because you know with our uh vast knowledge of technology and how oh, yeah. we have problems yeah he thinks that about oh, us yeah, right yeah. now he's a, he, he is he's, he's telling just... all our editor his editor uh-huh, friends he's like a boy and these <laughs> people you have no idea you think you got crazy people yeah okay all right sorry. so we'll, we'll back, start back on track sorry nico that's okay so katrina we should have bloopers yeah that's right <laughs>